0: hello and welcome to the big pixel the date today is the 21st of november and i am one of your hosts george eastmead and i am your other host ben palmer
1: wilson hey ben how's it going it's been a while i think if i look back at our notes it's been almost two months or more so uh yeah yeah i'm good how about yourself
0: yeah, yeah, I'm I'm good, thank you. Um, yeah, it has been a long time, and I think most of that has been my fault. I've been kind of busy of late. Oh yeah, I'm uh, it on on you some, <laughs> some projects. So, yeah, sorry. Um, we'll we'll try and uh, have a few more regular pods going forwards, but yeah, the the drought can be absolutely pinned upon myself.
1: I think we've both been pretty busy over the past two months, and you know, obviously leading up to Christmas, and all sorts of things have cropped up. So, uh, yeah, I don't think it's uh. I don't think it's to be unexpected to have a bit of a lull every now and again. Well, but, I've uh, been yes, we are back.
0: I've been so busy that I haven't actually gone ahead and created an agenda for this uh, for this podcast. So we're winging this one, guys. I'm, I'm winging, winging it, but I know that you did say that you had added a few things uh, to. Oh yeah, I've got an agenda. Notes. Got, uh, George,
1: George is flying blind. I'm. I'm well put together and organized just as usual <laughs>
0: <laughs> well you know what I'm, I'm gonna gonna like gonna sit with it i'm gonna gonna see how it goes like i've never uh, quite done a podcast just by the skin of my teeth before so uh, yeah we'll we'll see how it goes is
1: yes. there any news on that agenda of yours there is there absolutely is some news so i think it was earlier today or yesterday a new game has been announced and I know how in love with indie titles, Mm George's. So I thought it would be a great discussion to begin with. So this game is called Small Land. Um, Ironically and weirdly, it's missing an L. So they've spelt it Small Land with two L's. So really, they need another L in there. But anyway, that's the writer and me kind of fighting to get out. Basically, what this game is, it's an indie title. It's a survival game where your character, whoever it is, gets shrunk down and you have to survive in... as as basically the size of a you know a person the size of an ant um you know you're you're living in this like kind of forest i think based on the trailer i've seen you're living in a forest and you've got to survive against you know rats and mice cats squirrels george you'll love that rabbits and stuff (laughs) and there's even a co-op aspect so it's essentially honey i shrunk the kids kind of mixed with something like minecraft or rust or, or any of those survival games so it looks hugely hugely fascinating um and really endearing in the way that it is. It looks really quite adorable. Um but yeah, no, that that actually did catch my eye and that's interesting as somebody who doesn't typically steer towards indie games as well. So mm, And I haven't
0: heard anything about that at all. So that does sound like something that I would definitely want to have a, a little look at. If
1: nice. anybody is interested, and I know George will be, um, because I'm gonna make him watch the trailer. <laughs> um it's uh, what we'll do, we'll we'll add the trailer link in the notes. Yeah, on soundcloud and and on um, our own website of course so for anybody who does want to see the trailer for that it will it will be there those places wow
0: i'd, I'd forgotten we had a soundcloud and a website and all this other stuff it's i been know a long time it's since been we did so a long dude
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's been so long it feels like we've we've aged considerably We're both <laughs> old wizened men back in my day we didn't record <laughs> podcast pepper edge farm remembers <laughs> <laughs> so i mean really that is kind of oh wait no sorry i was gonna say that's all the news i've got but i think really um there's a huge topic of conversation you know kind of happening right now and that of course is the, the only controversy. <laughs> no you don't you do not want to see what my hair looks like right now um <laughs> If you've ever seen a hobo with a house, that's me at this point, right? Um, it's 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 terrifying. There's a reason I don't, you know, every time people ask for Skype meetings, I'm hiding. Um, but no, the, uh, the actual news is microtransactions. Uh, you know, EA recently released, I believe it was yesterday or the day before, uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2. Um, and in the weekly or so leading up to it, we have had huge, huge feedback. And you know, controversy surrounding those microtransactions and how they're implemented in the game's progression systems. Um, huge. Uh, I think the community team from EA was on Reddit. Um, they started. They put this paragraph in that's now since become a meme. They got downvoted. I think it went to six eighty thousand votes. Um, their news got featured on the BBC. Uh, what's CNN? and yeah even their stocks took a hit so yeah if you guys don't know about this story um which i'd be very surprised if you didn't um (laughs) Essentially what it is, Star Wars Battlefront 2 um, has a progression system in which you get star cards and these star cards give your character, whether you're playing a ship or a hero or, you know, a just a normal soldier, uh, they give it advantages. So, you know, maybe more health or faster turn speeds in the ship, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, And essentially what you could do is you could buy loot boxes, um, to gain these cards or at least gain credits to, to get those cards. So that was one aspect that's kind of the big thing uh, that everyone's kind of up in arms about, but really what kicked it off is the fact that, um, the credits that used to purchase the star cards are also used to purchase heroes. And it turned out that, you know, the kind of central heroes like Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader are locked behind credit paywalls. Um, I think it was ended at the start before they nerfed it and they brought it down. It was 60,000 credits and that equated to around 40 hours of game time just to unlock one. Um, and then you bear in mind the fact that um, not only are you spending all of your credits and focusing your credits on that one hero, but that means you also can't buy loot credits, uh, loot boxes the whole time. So it was just a huge, huge grind and uh, very, very shallowly kind of um, masqueraded as a as a progression system that wasn't focused on pushing you towards microtransactions so yeah huge huge uproar huge uproar and uh star wars uh, ea and dice have since come and said you know we're temporarily um disabling microtransactions so we'll we'll see what happens when those microtransactions come back but uh even even without them in there right now people are are hating on the game and and the critics are, are kind of slating the game because without the microtransactions the game is still a huge grind it's not very fun you know the the progression is super slow so yeah huge going on right now and i think uh i think we'll see this spread to other parts of the gaming industry and i think we'll start to see less people tolerate micro micro transactions in games um you know people have been complaining for them but kind of you know lapping them up anyway Um, I think this is kind of a turning point where, you know, places like Belgium have started to look into this and trying to consider whether it's actually gambling and and all this stuff. I think this may be a turning point where people have just said, you know, actually, we're sick of this now. Um, You know, we're sick of paying full price for a game and still having to unlock parts of that game for money. Um, I mean so yeah at the end of the day this is almost the straw that broke
0: the camel's back like the the loot crate discussion has been going on and certainly building up steam for especially this last year or so and then the timing of this game which you know by all accounts is probably best described as greedy in the way that it looks to capitalize on extra payments from a player Um, the timing for EA has just been really bad on that and I think that the community have just easily latched onto that as definitely the the poster child of doom for this particular um trend in gaming um oh yeah i mean i I don't necessarily want to spend too long on this because i think there are a lot of folks who have waged in and, and provided an opinion on this but i think like i'm certainly of the case where you know this is um uh something that is manipulative of players and certainly does push people to spend more money when they really shouldn't especially when you're spending $60 on a game straight up like why do you need to um you know keep coming in and buying all this stuff I've never bought yeah. a season pass for a game uh I would probably never buy any extra um content for a game on a console occasionally I have done on PC games but it's just not in my nature. Like I want to buy a game, play it, and then I'm done with it. And I don't see why I would necessarily want to keep spending more and more money just to unlock extra things. Frankly, like even if it isn't behind uh, a a pay gate of some kind, I don't want to spend hours grinding to unlock stuff. I want to play my game, enjoy something, and then move on yeah. to the next thing. Frankly, but maybe that's just my playstyle.
1: Yeah, I mean, really, it's it's not unreasonable to expect that paying full price for a title you would get everything in a reasonable amount of time to get that um i mean there's a lot of conversations happening right now and i know that you know there's at least one on reddit where people are saying let's let's go back to the time where you didn't have to kind of grind to unlock things you know battlefield and um, call of duty and stuff you you grind over time to unlock weapons and, and stuff like that and it's just like let's let's just make a game let's just have games where you buy them and it comes down to skill so yeah. things like uh counter-strike yeah that's my um, example you know counter-strike is a great example of that you you get into the game anybody if you play well you get more money if your team wins you get money and that money can be used for the next rounds the subsequent rounds to buy better weapons um but you know nothing there's nothing in that game that is tied to um you know obviously from skins but i think i think skins are a separate microtransaction discussion because yeah for cosmetics example,
0: are fine in my yeah. opinion yeah
1: yeah, of course. I mean, it's, it's you know, you can take them or leave them and it, it allows the developers, you know, looking at things like Overwatch and uh, things like Smite, which is a free-to-play MOBA, it allows them to keep making money and continue to develop the title, which clearly makes sense. Um, when you're creating a game and selling it for full price and then you're making people grind, that's almost a free-to-play model, except you're now charging full price for it at the same time. That's, that's not on. Yeah. So anyway, I like like George said, um, so many people have already covered this and probably in far greater detail and, you know, um, with more more knowledge and expertise on this issue than we have. Um, But, yeah, I I think it would have been a miss if we hadn't have mentioned this because it is such a big issue.
0: Maybe um, this is a good segue into one of the games that I've recently been playing, if we're okay to to move into that.
1: Yeah, go for it. What have you been playing, George?
0: It's been a long time, and I've played a fair few games, but one of which is actually the new Call of Duty game. And the reason why I wanted to bring this up here is because um, I used to love the Call of Duty franchise. Like I loved the first game. It was brilliant. I loved playing it on PC. And um, I remember when Call of Duty 4 came out, And I actually wasn't going to pick it up. I thought that the perks and things looked stupid. I thought that it looked like um, almost a bastardization of the series. But it was actually my dad who went and got Call of Duty 4. And then one day I kind of like peered into his office and he was playing it. And I was like, I might give that an install. So I, you know, picked it up, got the CD key and and popped it into my computer as well. Um, That changed a lot for me. And Call of Duty 4 is, you know, again, one of these timeless shooter games that have influenced countless generations of uh, that particular genre um, i haven't really played a call of duty game since then um, modern warfare 2 took away a lot i uh, you know it took away lean controls did, uh, mm-hmm. dedicated servers all of that kind of stuff that as a pc player you really want to have in a first person shooter yeah um, and furthermore it added a lot of those perks and kill streaks and other things that frankly just made the game unbalanced. Now, flash forward through countless more Call of Duty games, and you've got all of that stuff, again, you know, with extra um, incentives for you to actually pay for extra content as well, going into this this whole Star Wars conversation again. Um, but this new one, uh, the World War II title, I've actually kind of been enjoying it. Now, there are unlocks that are hidden behind Incredibly long wait times, frankly. Like, all I want to do is just get my K98 rifle. That's all I care about. But apparently, I have to go through one of the whole divisions and unlock an incredible amount of XP to prestige it before I get the chance to actually get that rifle. Now, that's irritating for me, but it's kind of what I want to do. And I'm happy to play the game until I at least get bored of it working towards that objective. Um, I've been enjoying it. It has lean controls on the multiplayer, but not on the single player, curiously (laughs) enough. I think it has dedicated servers as well, which is quite nice, although it doesn't have a server browser like the Battlefield series. Um, But all in all, uh, it's actually quite well balanced. They've removed a lot of the perks and killstreaks and things and tied it more into what's called divisions. So you specialize in a certain trait. So for instance, I've been working on what's called the mountain traits which is more about uh the what was traditionally dead silence so having like uh quiet footsteps and um, being able to move fast or not show up against other people's um kill streaks essentially and all the rest of it and focusing more on that stealth side and like i love playing the search and destroy game type because that's more akin to something like counter strike so that's a great bonus for me to try and work on those things plus the fact I have to do all of that in order to unlock my very much desired k 98 <laughs> um, I've been enjoying it, but uh, I would say that it really hasn't handled the very... like. There are a lot of games who uh, have focused on World War II uh, over time and not all of them have handled it well. I would say that this game certainly hasn't handled it in a really respectful way. Um, yes we spoke about I'll battlefield agree. one a little bit um uh probably about a year ago or something now when we first did this pod and it i, I thought the battlefield one kind of handled it quite well but not perfect um but call of duty world war Two is just like uh, it's a bit like the arnold schwarzenegger version of world war Two, <laughs> and it's maybe not quite what i want to see
1: yeah it I, I have played a bit of this. I played a bit of the campaign. Um, I have watched people, you know, streamers such as Lyric play it for a time. And yeah, I think really, while the story did hold my attention for the portion of time I played it, I think things like the microtransactions really kind of soured the taste for me. Um, you know, World War II is a hugely impactful event in our history. Um, and I think it should be treated with respect. And I think the first three games that they came out with, you know, Call of Duty one to three. Um, and the subtitles that came out with those were you know just incredible and it really kind of opened your eyes to the kind of i I, and it sounds kind of silly but it opened your eyes to to war how it really felt you know it wasn't i I think even you know things like med you know go back to the old medal of honor games and stuff they were really gritty games um and you really kind of felt like actually Mm. all this glorification of war and all these games that you play you know this this is kind of showing you actually it's horrible um yeah. and it handled it well and then all of a sudden they've come back with you know they've had all these like futuristic ones with jump jets and stuff and they've kind of gone a bit silly with it and they've jumped back to world war Two, and they're dropping things like these loot crates that just fall from the sky so that people can see what you've got and it's just like yeah, that's stupid you, it, yeah I, I kind of understand when people are turning around and saying actually millions of people died in this war and you're essentially franchising and merchandising their deaths you know that war um yeah not not tastefully done but but how soon
0: is too soon I mean you look at um the more modern titles and especially like Call of Duty 4 and Modern Warfare 2 as well which are set in the present and I'm sure like some of the Black Ops games are although I haven't played them myself like you know there are people who fight and die in wars today like is that
1: insensitive I mean yeah yes and no I think when you think that, you know, especially here in the UK, we celebrate um, Remembrance Day and stuff like that. It's a hugely important nation to a lot of people. And I think even people that don't often think about it will, you know, buy a poppy and, and consider those who have fallen in, in service before. Um, and it really depends on who you are. Um, for me, I mean, it's been, what now, I want to say, what, 16 years? 16 years since nine eleven, for example. And it would be in hugely... Like huge distaste for somebody to go and make a game about that and monetize that.
0: Oh yeah, yeah.
1: Do you know that it's it's who you are. But, um, but
0: actually, having said that, if I can just jump in. Yeah, um, go for it. That said, if there were a game that was based around that were based around nine eleven, yeah. Um, but it was done in a tasteful way and told you something about that event, then. I feel that it could be an entertainment product. Again, we've spoken about this before and we don't necessarily need to jump down this rabbit hole, but like, if a game handles something in a mature way and actually tells you something that you didn't otherwise know and explains it to you, I don't necessarily have a problem with that being an entertainment product. The only problem is that a game requires you to have agency over the things that you do as a character, whereas something like a movie can be shocking and violent and say, hey, war is very, very bad and here's why. Um, yeah. But you don't necessarily have to clamber through the trenches yourself, you know, when you watch that movie.
1: I totally agree. And, you know, I agree with your sentiment that if somebody did kind of create a title around, uh, you know, the Twin Towers and stuff, that, you know, done correctly, it could be a hugely influential piece and, and you know, make us remember and reconsider um, or at least consider, you know, the, those events. However, really, it's more focused on the fact that if somebody were to monetize that and make a profit based on that event, which essentially this is what Call of Duty World War II is doing. Um, yeah, it's just it's in poor taste. Like, don't get me wrong. The story that I played, the portion of the story that I played was was great and it did handle it respectfully and it was it was brutal and it was horrible. And I think it adequately displayed as, as much as you can do in a game kind of aimed at the general consumer. To, to kind of cover the, the horrors of war, the, the seriousness of war. Um, I mean, I remember playing a bit where you pick a flamethrower up at one point and, you know, these Germans are rushing you and you are just, you know, you're lighting them on fire and they're just like screaming in pain. And I think I actually stopped at a second. I was just like, this is like horrible. You know, games up until recently where everything kind of started to get a little, more, little bit more balanced, games just presented you with enemies and it was just like, yeah, just kill them. They're the bad guys. They're the bad guys. Um... And I feel like recently these games have started to kind of show you that, you know, you're not just fighting some nameless bad guy. They these are other people, these are real people just fighting for their own country. Yeah.
0: Um which I, which,
1: which is respectful. It it really comes down to the microtransactions for me. I'm I'm a huge kind of I really do not like microtransactions unless they are fairly implemented, i.e., yeah. um cosmetics.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um so I, I think yeah. like I mean I had a problem with Modern Warfare 2 when it had the famous no Russian level where you end up like yes. shooting civilians or something and it's just like in really an airport, that's yeah. a bit you know too too much really um I, I never really appreciated that frankly but um Call of Duty isn't really one of the the right series to handle this kind of, of subject matter probably in this day and age
1: but for I me think it's been comedicized comedicized <laughs> i am trying to Think whether that's a word. But yeah, it's, it's a little bit comedic now um, in the sense that, you know, you think of Cod and you think of, you know, kids on their Xbox swearing and, and telling people they're going to have sex with their mothers. And, you know, that's the image that Cod provides and presents now. And whether they want to or not i don't think of call of duty as a serious piece of of entertainment in that respect so I yeah I'd probably. and if agree you take it there. for
0: what it is then it's okay yeah. and you know what i've been having fun enjoying the great engine and shooting the men's and yeah it's been good <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah don't uh, get me wrong you know just to I don't want to leave it on a sour note it is a good game it does seem to be a good game and i'm really glad they've gone back to world war ii because it's just such a great setting um and i always eat up new stories set in that in that regard um you know did storming the beaches of normandy and and fighting through carantan and all that kind of thing hugely hugely great and one of my favorite tv shows is actually band of brothers so you know i will never not appreciate a good world war ii story it's just all the things they do after creating that story Mm. so yeah anything else what else have you been playing or is it was it just been call of duty that you've had time for
0: let's go to you what what have you been playing
1: (laughs) oh okay well um I mean, we've been away for two months, so it's been a lot. So I'm going to I'm going to rifle through these real quick. Sure. Um, and just kind of present a little opinion on each of them and, and kind of my experiences there. So still playing Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. Um, between that and Overwatch, that is pretty much my day to day bread and butter. Um, I love those games. And actually, you know, I've kind of recently gotten back into Overwatch and I love it again. You know, I'm hooked. I just want to get better at playing each of the characters. Hugely great games, both of those. Other things I've been playing. Um. Destiny 2, I think I paid 40, 45 pounds for. I think I played about two hours and I, and I uninstalled it. Um, bored me to tears. Um, wow, it's really? got to, Yeah, it's got to be a game to be played with people, I think. Um, a few people convinced me to actually buy it. I wasn't even going to purchase it, but there you go. Um, so, yeah, I think unless somebody says to me, hey, you know, come and play with me, like we'll go through the story, etc., together, then I think that's probably going to be left uninstalled the shooting's great the graphics are stunning um there's potentially incredible lore there um, although the cutscenes did make me cringe um but i, I won't dive into that like I, I just think the story is super shallow um there's potential there but i think obviously being a pc gamer i didn't experience destiny 1 but i know that destiny 1 players had this kind of huge where's the rest of the game after the base game was released and then as it went on the dlc improved the core experience i think maybe that will be the same case here which is unfortunate because you'd think they'd have learned from that but anyway yeah that that was a bit of a disappointment um and very recently i, I was back in leicester where i'm originally from uh spending time with uh, with my family and uh, i took my switch back with me and started to play quite a bit of zelda um and i'm finally finally getting into that game you know i'm heading down to to my lounge and sitting there on you know on the sofa and playing that um yeah dude zelda just i mean we all knew it anyway zelda is a great game and i think it just recently won the golden joystick game of the year award um yeah dude awesome and in a similar vein i also downloaded stardew valley despite having it on the pc i downloaded that on the switch and that's also being uh becoming you know a game that i go to regularly so yeah a, a lot i'm playing um
0: tell me tell me about zelda then why is it a good game
1: so i struggled until now i've had this since late march you know i bought the i think it was march either late march or early april so very soon after release i got the switch with zelda and i don't know i think my problem initially was that you it just struggled to get in it's very free form you go where you want you kind of do what you want um And usually in games like Skyrim, that's easy. But with this, it's because there's not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of NPCs so far that I've seen. There's not a lot of um, kind of landmarks in the sense that you see people and then you kind of get sucked into a quest and you go for that. This is very freeform. You kind of go to these towns and you look, you have to really search for people that are handing out quests. Um, so that, that that's where I struggled. And all of a sudden I've I've kind of slowed down in the way that I game in this particular title and I've started to explore everywhere. So if I hit a village, I will um, speak to everybody. I will explore every building in the village. I will you know, make sure I've scoured everywhere. Um, and all of a sudden there's all these storylines and people cropping up and, you know, even things down to money. So I think for several hours, I was running around with like 75 rupees and everything's like 200 and above. It's just like, where am I going to get the money for all of this? Um, And then all of a sudden I'm out and I'm killing things. I'm collecting things, mining and getting opals. And all of a sudden I'm now over like a thousand rupees. And it's just, yeah, I'm finally getting the game Um, and really appreciating it it for what it is and not for what I wanted it to be initially, which was kind of a, a Nintendo version of Skyrim almost. So, yeah, really, really enjoying that. and I think I'll slowly, slowly drop more and more hours into that until it's done. So uh,
0: I kind of hope the price goes down after the holidays, because I would quite like to pick it up, but I don't know if I really want to spend like 50 quid or whatever it is, I'm not sure.
1: That's the thing with Nintendo titles, they typically stay quite highly priced. Yeah, I know. So,
0: the prices on the actual Switch store are quite high in general, um, but I think that's because are. there are very few titles right
1: now. Um, I mean Skyrim's 50 pounds and that's what that game's six years old now yeah, but yeah. you know it's been ported to the Switch and all of a sudden it's full price again they must be <laughs> they're like uh you remember Rockstar with Grand Theft Auto V where they're like triple dipped it was like previous gen consoles then current gen and then they finally reached out on the PC it's just like that. essentially what Bethesda are doing is that with Skyrim, but every every console. Mm. See, so. I don't
0: necessarily have a problem with that from a publisher standpoint. I mean, that's better than microtransactions,
1: right? At well, least they're no, actually don't get me wrong. Doing yeah. work
0: and putting it on different consoles.
1: I mean, the funny thing is actually I'm, I'm very much considering getting Skyrim on the Switch because I'd love to have it with me on the go. I just find it amusing that that is kind of a, a state of things where, I mean, Skyrim is slightly becoming a meme now in that sense where people are like, you know soon you'll have skyrim installed on your microwave and in your fridge (laughs) and pretty much wherever there's going to be kind of an lcd screen which amuses me highly but to be honest if the game is sound and people are still willing to buy it you know it's it's a case of supply and demand if the demand is there and people want it then of course they're you know if they're going to make money from it why not so how are you finding the switch i think like we haven't really spoken
0: about it at all and i've picked one up since the last episode that we recorded so let's 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 turn our attentions towards the tech a little bit and uh, have a little bit of a discussion there.
1: I mean, I remember us discussing it when it first came out and I said I really wanted to get one and I think I spoke briefly when I got one. I love the tech. I think it's so clever and it's half the reason I wanted to buy one is because the ability to have a handheld console, which is like, you know, you're getting full uh, third-party titles like Doom and Skyrim and uh, L.A. Noire um and i know none of those games are particularly new but the fact that you can have those console experiences in your hand and then you could just plug that in and all of a sudden it's it's kind of a full screen home console art, dude just blows me away like my, my inner child my inner nerd is just screaming in delight what about you so i think when we first talked about it when it was announced
0: um i poo-pooed the whole idea i thought that Like, there was no way I would have any interest in a tablet that had controllers stuck on the side of it and looked wide as all hell. And, (laughs) you know, the fact that you have to, like, unclip them and reclip them and all this stuff. And I thought, oh, people are going to lose those. It's going to get dust inside them. Like, it's really not for me. Like, all I want to do is just pick up a controller and play a game on my TV. And, like, the times that I'm going to be out and about, man, I'm not going to care.
1: I was wrong. (laughs) <laughs> um, oh george the great george Eastmead <laughs> admitting he's wrong what is
0: happening so I, I will admit that i didn't actually purchase it myself um i i got it through uh through work um but i am very glad that i did because as soon as i started kind of like playing with it and using it i fell in love with it and it was that which completely changed my mind so i feel like they almost need to remarket it a little bit because there was no way that I would have bought it myself. But yet now that I have one, I'm using it like every day. Um, I think it's just a case of uh another handheld console, very much like the 3DS which I know and love, um, which has great battery life, excellent battery life, it'll last like two or three days at least, um, from you know small to medium playtime if you're doing it on your commute or something um you know the the motion controllers are great you can detach them use them play multiplayer together most of the time you're probably just going to have it plugged onto the console itself so the chances of you re clipping and losing and all the rest of it are actually kind of slim and then if you really do want to just throw it onto the tv um which apparently very few people do um according to some stats that i've seen recently but if you do want to you know whack it onto the tv then um Unclipping them and putting the little um, Joy Cons onto the controller, or you can just have another third party controller in the first place, is actually easy as pie. Like, it's really simple to do.
1: So, yeah, I've, I've actually really been enjoying it, to be honest. It's. Ah, it, uh, dude, I just. I mean, I was even getting like. So I told you, I went back to to Leicester, and I was kind of just sitting there playing. And even my sister walked in, and my sister's not a gamer in any sense of the word. Um, and she was like, "Oh, you know, like what are you doing?" And then she would kind of wanted to dive in. And then I had like the one two switcher, and we we're doing all those ridiculous games. Had you know played some Mario Kart, which I'm um, sad to say I actually lost. Um, that's you know very shameful, but. <laughs> You know, it's just like even gamers who even people who aren't gamers are interested in it. And I think that's kind of I think that's what Nintendo does so well. Like, again, you know, my partner isn't a huge gamer. And yet she had a Wii and, you know, all the Wii Sports and all those kind of things, just I think it brings people together and I think Nintendo still holds that kind of great feeling of classic gaming, of bringing people together, of playing co-op, yeah. of, of doing interesting things with their technology. I mean, if nothing else, you know, I mean, I know the Wii U wasn't a hugely successful console, um, but my God, you know, looking back generations now, you know, five generations or whatever the hell it's been. Their consoles are some of the most unique and successful consoles to ever have existed, you know, back to the Nintendo 64 and, you know, but even before that. So, yeah, Jesus, um, they have done remarkably well. Um, I'm really glad I picked one up and, you know, as much as I've not used it in the recent past, I think going forwards, it will get a lot more use as I invest more and more money and time into it.
0: Mm, I think like so, the next step for them though is to add a bit more functionality. Like I'd like to see more apps that you can download as well. Yes. Like Your PlayStation yeah. has YouTube and Netflix and all this other stuff. And that a you web might browser. And that yeah, and a web thing. browser. Like man, if it had that, that would be great. Even so just so something I think as they simple are as themes. Like you have themes on the 3DS. I mean, there's no reason why you can't do that on Switch.
1: True. True. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think those are coming. Oh yeah, I have no doubt they will. Um I think cuz obviously the the online portion is free right now and I know they're changing yeah, until that January. I think yes, yes they pushed it back I believe it was going to be October or something wasn't it and then they pushed it back to next year. Yeah. So maybe with that they'll introduce it. One thing I really want to see is like the Nintendo like eShop I think it's called or mm-hmm. yeah, whatever have. the yeah, the eShop, where it, which is basically kind of all the previous titles. I want to see them port, you know, the classic Pokemons over the... Um, oh,
0: they will, for sure.
1: I, I can't wait for that because all of a sudden that will open the door even wider for me to use that console. You know, I want to see Super Mario Maker. Like, geez, please port that game because, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I was planning to buy it on the 3DS because I do have one of those. But it's also like, yeah, but that console is kind of winding down to want to add, more, you know... I don't want to invest further into that. I'm not sure I do. Mm. So.
0: so I'm not sure who it was who told me this, but the like the team at Nintendo, their approvals team, uh, haven't actually um, grown since they launched the Switch. Um, so, for instance, when third parties are looking to launch games on the system, um, yeah. the actual team who approved that and check it and everything else um, hasn't actually grown since then, which is why I feel like the release... Um, of new titles has been somewhat delayed because there's a little bit of a bottleneck there Um, now this is obviously a big thing for me because uh, i think i'm working with uh, someone who's looking at launching quite a number of titles on the switch in the near future Um, so it's something that i'm very much aware of Um, but i think by all means like nintendo really should capitalize on third-party publishers right now because they produce excellent games themselves, but they never really capitalized on third-party um, software on the Wii U to any great extent. Um, they True. did a little bit on the 3DS, but how many people in the West play games on a regular basis on the 3DS? On a handheld console. Not yeah, so many. exactly. Switch has to be that console for them to do that, and so they could really stand to gain a lot from it.
1: I absolutely agree, and I don't know where I was reading this, but I I think it was a video I was watching yesterday, um, and people were, I think, whoever I was watching was saying that, I think it was actually Jimquisition, if you know him. I do, not um, personally, but... <laughs> not personally, yeah, but uh, no of him. Yeah, I think he was discussing, you know, Ninten- Nintendo and, you know, the the Switch and, and how well they've done, over, you know, since release back in March. Um, and I think he was saying that, I think this is the first console um I mean, really, since the Wii, and maybe even before that, the mainstream, you know, AAA titles and, and mainstream gamers are really looking at this as a contender. You know, it doesn't hold up spec wise to something like a PS4 Pro or an Xbox One X. And yet the the main publishers, you know, EA and and uh, Rockstar and all those, you know, the developers and publishers are looking at the Switch and they want their games on there for, the, I think, the first time in a long time. Um, yeah, I mean, absolutely i can't remember i know the wii u didn't fare very well at all um i don't remember the wii's third party lineup i don't remember them having things like grand theft auto or 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 not but you know please please feel free to say i'm wrong if i am and you know for anyone watching if i if i'm wrong i will check after this then you know please ignore this but for the first time i think nintendo has finally kind of opened their doors and said you know we we are targeting now we want third-party things you know we spoke to bethesda it's now got doom on it it's now got skyrim on it um Mm -hmm. it's it's hugely successful i think we'll continue to see that the thing is like with the playstation 4 like it has the touch
0: bar on the top and they added that because they knew that touch controls were growing hugely since the launch of the ipad um not many games really use touch functionality on the ps4 aside from first party titles because third party developers are just gonna say right well we want to launch our game on xbox and ps4 and the xbox doesn't have it so we're not going to have that but um development time. exactly exactly but for the switch it actually has touch screen controls it has those motion sensor stuff it has you know good old traditional buttons and uh buttons and flappers whatever you call (laughs) it yeah yeah it's got everything (laughs) and and, yeah like it's very natural to me to sit and play on the switch and use the buttons and thumbsticks and all the rest of it and also touch the screen i find myself naturally just touching the screen for some games uh even just like pinch and zoom stuff on some things like you just naturally do it if you've used a phone in the last 10 years and (laughs) yeah yeah, absolutely it's it's just a great console to to want to play games on actually
1: yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, um, and I'm really excited to see things like Monster Hunter and Pokemon and stuff make their way to this console because I will just be glued to that morning, noon, and night, really. Mm. So uh, a dangerous time, a dangerous time. So let's move to the tech corner. Um, we already discuss... were in the tech corner. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, 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 no. Oh, all... I mean technically yes, but we didn't, we didn't kind of officially say they were in it, so now that we've had that huge nintendo switch discussion we're segueing into the tech corner despite having already spent the last 15 minutes talking about tech um and really i've got i've got one in here um and that is kind of more less a piece of tech and more technology in general so mm-hmm. if you are someone who likes to tinker with your <laughs> you know with- oh, i do with apps and stuff like that, you may have heard. <laughs> totally not. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glossing over it, George. I'm glossing over it. Um, Firefox recently released a new version of their web browser, and that is version 57.0, okay,
0: um,
1: codenamed Quantum. Geek Talk. Yes, absolute <laughs> Geek Talk. Absolutely. Now, as someone who has used Chrome, and I'm sure many, many other people have stuck by Chrome in the last several years, um, I didn't think I'd ever be changing back. Um, I know that a lot of people who watch Twitch will typically complain of the CPU usage that, uh, that Chrome uses. Um, and when I heard that um, the Firefox had been rebuilt from the ground up, I thought, yeah, I'll give it a try. And I'm not going to lie, I am a convert. Now it's, it's early days. They've essentially what they've done is they've rebuilt it from the ground up with focus on, you know, the multi-core CPUs that are very, very commonplace in this day and age. Um, you know, there's a, a lot of GPU focus. So essentially what, they, what they're doing, unlike their previous version, is to balance the load of that browser over the full spectrum of hardware. Um, there's lower RAM usage, there's better responsiveness, um, very intelligent and efficient CPU usage, et um, etc. et cetera. Et cetera. Um, it's just a lot of balancing and optimization. Um, and while this is the kind of rebuilt version and it's brand spanking new, there's still a good number, you know, good amount of pieces of work to be done over the next several months with them I can't really remember what they're bringing but some big tech coming to it Um, I'm looking forward to seeing it get faster for it to get better but even in its early stage now um how it is performing now I'm just I think it's great and the amount of extensions that are kind of in with um with Firefox that aren't within Chrome um I'm already kind of just blown away um it's such a more streamlined experience i'm I'm really enjoying it so george any any thoughts to weigh in on the the old browser versus browser issue (laughs)
0: um i must admit i haven't really paid much attention to what browser i've been using for a number of years um that said I do.
1: (laughs) sorry just making me look like the sad geek that i am
0: no no like um (laughs) That said, like, I I do notice that sometimes Chrome does use more energy than I want to. Like, for my day-to-day, I've said before, like, I typically use uh, a Mac, and um, it will have up on the the taskbar, like, your little battery thing, and if you hit Alt or something and then click it, it shows shows you, like, which apps are using energy, yeah. Um, Chrome typically is always using significant energy according to the system, so... Um, You know, that would be something that I would maybe move away from and either use Safari or Firefox or whatever else. Um, Yeah, uh, I I mean, I'd I'd definitely try it. (laughs) Um,
1: it's it's not a huge issue that a lot of people can get excited about. You know, it's it's a web browser, right? You, you install it, you use it to go to the websites that you frequent. But as somebody who, you know, is intrinsically linked and, and kind of embedded within the Android ecosystem, for example, um, I love to tinker. I love to find the most efficient and powerful ways of doing certain things. So, um, you know, things like which web browser is the fastest and the best really matters. Um, and even little things down to the fact that the Android version of Firefox... Actually allows you to install add-ons like AdBlock and stuff. It's just awesome. So Chrome's Chrome's mobile app is pretty good. Like don't get me wrong, I'm not slating Chrome in the slightest because it is good and it served really, me really well. But mm. Firefox just seemed that you know it's open source um, and you can just you see what you're putting in and it's really really user friendly. Um, yeah, I'm just kind of I'm a, I'm a champion of the of the more open source kind of user focus where it's not linked to a for profit company necessarily so yeah i'm i'm very impressed i'm looking forward to seeing where they take it um and uh looking forward to see what what comes with that over time Hmm. so uh it's now
0: a very terrible time to admit that on my pc i'm just using edge
1: (sighs) oh next week don't expect george to return because i will be going over there to kill him (laughs) i don't i don't use it for any web
0: browsing i only use it for games so if there's anything that i'm gonna download i'll just whack it in and download it real quick but Mm. yeah i know i kind of feel like i should probably get another browser on there maybe firefox
1: is is the one to use right (laughs) oh yeah i mean going back to the kind of battery issue um not such a big deal when you're on a desktop computer and you know you've got full quad calls and blah 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 and it's all run off your mains so you're not really thinking about energy consumption and preserving battery life but like you know even on my surface book i'm just you know um i'm just sitting there watching the battery dissipate and, and disappear because chrome is such a hog um and hopefully you know Firefox can be the answer to that um segwaying nicely onto the last bit of the tech corner which is the new surface book 2 Oh my God, George, I need one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, they have announced, I don't know that anybody knows, but they announced the new Surface Book 2 like a week or two ago, maybe even more actually. I think it was late October. Um, same 13 and a half inch version that I've currently possess, which is the Surface Book 1, um, but also a 15 inch version. They have full quad cores in now, the latest eighth generation i7s. Um, they've got a full GTX 1060 graphics card in there. I need one, George, you know, I've got to have one of these and by God, they are expensive. I think the 15 inch version starts at £2,500 and doesn't even what? include the pen. Yeah, they are pricey as all hell, but my God, if I don't want one. Um, and I think the reasoning behind the price is the whole, they're kind of compared, you know, compared against MacBook Pros. And right now, um, you know, without any refreshes on the uh, on the MacBook Pro, they are whipping, macbook pro's ass in terms of specs
0: that's even more expensive than a mac though isn't it
1: i don't know how much macbooks are these days to be honest
0: neither do i to be fair but wow that is crazy A a
1: crazy price yeah yeah and you're getting the i7 the gtx 1060 8 gigabytes of ram and a 256 gigabyte hard drive uh, ssd so so question like yeah it's it's a tablet essentially right
0: it's not no it's a full it...
1: windows pc it's it's basically a laptop with the ability to turn it into a yeah tablet. it has a detachable keyboard though right? it does it does so yeah.
0: okay it has all those specs but it's not going to be able to run games really well is it
1: it actually does yeah you, people are able so essentially it's a, it's almost a 4k screen um problem how, is, how big it's a... is it
0: sorry how, how big is
1: the screen the screen is 15 inches it's fifteen um, inches. Okay. yeah it's a fifteen-inch yes, screen. And, and um, sorry,
0: can, and you can export it to export it. Um, you know, uh,
1: HDMI out or whatever. Uh, well. It has a USB C port, which you can kind of connect. Um, so I think, uh, the Surface Book one has a Display Port. So I've got an adapter that is HDMI to Display Port. Um, uh, basically, you'd be doing the same thing with the USB C port. Sure. In this in this respect. Um it can play games now it's a three by two aspect ratio so it's square it's not kind of widescreen it's not 16 by 9 um which means that games kind of scale weirdly but essentially what people are doing is scaling it down to a 1080p resolution so you have a kind of black bar at the top and bottom um but people are playing things like overwatch and PUBG at 60 frames and above just fine at like height and maximum settings so Gosh. i've heard because it is a full gtx 1060 which is kind of the first. Uh, in you know that I've heard at least so, in an ultrabook of this size, and you, you say it's a
0: a full one because there's two different versions of the 1060. There's like the mobile version, and then there's like the max the, Q. I, I don't know. I just know that on my laptop, the um, Alienware 15, it has that 1060. But the whole you know messaging around it was the fact that it's the desktop version of the chip rather than the mobile version yeah. of the chip. So I assume I assume that that is the exact same chip, right?
1: It is, yeah. So this is the thing, or, or so far as I'm aware, um, there is a Max-Q version, which is essentially kind of a full desktop graphics card, but it is kind of a laptop version of that full type of, of that full desktop graphics card. This is kind of okay. the full thing. Um, this isn't a Max-Q version. This is kind of the chip. This is the same chip. So, yeah, quite surprising actually. I mean, I never buy Surface Books for uh, for gaming um however it would be nice because i i too have an alienware 17 um and as much as you know as powerful as it is and it is a beast it's just so big um i don't want to have to lug that around say you know i'm traveling for meetings and whatever it would be great to have something that is the size of an ultra book that is you know so thin um that has the power to kind of output things like overwatch which is you know, obviously my current go-to game yeah that would be incredible as well as to have you know all the Productivity and features that I've come to expect from the Surface range. So, yeah, I'm hugely excited. I don't know that I'm going to buy one of these on launch because, as a base model, two thousand five hundred pounds is insane. Um, the one that I'm looking at, I think, will end up retailing at about two thousand nine hundred pounds um, because obviously the RAM is soldered on, etc. I'm probably going to go for the version that has sixteen gigabytes of RAM, and I believe that also includes a five hundred twelve gigabyte hard drive or SSD again. I because everything's soldered in, and the Surface Books are notoriously hard to open, or you know, indeed for the average user impossible. I'm just going to get the the highest spec version, but paying almost three grand for a laptop, I'm probably going to wait for prices to come down. I think just because that is so very high. Um, I think really, yeah. I think I I paid eighteen hundred for my Surface Book when it initially came out. So yeah, I, I don't really want to pay any more than two thousand really. So we'll we'll see what I can get, but. Yeah, maybe not an imminent, you know, on, on release purchase. So, uh, and just for those of you who are unaware, I know that these laptops are out in America right now. They don't come out until early next year in the UK and other regions.
0: Any friends at Microsoft? Help Ben out.
1: Yeah, if you if you work on Know Somebody at Microsoft, then by all means get in touch. I would love to give you my money.
0: But would it replace your desktop computer?
1: It wouldn't. No. So I am totally in love with my well, I'm in love with all of my tech, really. Um, <laughs> I have an overabundance of it. And, and you know, one of George's jokes is that, oh, what have you bought this week? Um, but yeah, I think I want I have always wanted a bigger laptop. I think um, I'm so used to having three screens that essentially I need a laptop that can replace that fluidly. And the Surface Book is almost there because of the ability to And I know the MacBooks have this. So let's not start a apple versus microsoft war but you know the, the touchpad is a quick three swipe and you can quickly switch screens and stuff like that but the ability to kind of pin two windows and have them functionally usable um you know in terms of size i think the 15 inch surface book would do that for me so that remains to be seen but yeah we'll wait and see when it comes out next year in the uk um and europe so uh, yeah fingers crossed anyway okay. fair enough cool um yeah, I think it's
0: pretty, it, yeah. pretty much. It, yeah. <laughs>
1: we got there, George. I mean, it's been a two months, and so we're both a little bit rusty, but uh, we made it. And hopefully, you know, all our listeners have have enjoyed this episode, despite the waffling slightly.
0: <laughs> oh, one last thing for me, actually, if I can just digress for five minutes. Um, Go for it. I I wanted to talk about a game that I've been playing, actually. So going all the way back up the ladder to, to that, um, I'll just finish off on it, and then we can can wrap up. But um, we were talking earlier about the the Switch and uh, how well it performs uh, for some of these games that are actually quite high demanding and all the rest of it. I've been playing a game which isn't necessarily uh, highly demanding, but it's something that's come out previously on PC and consoles that actually got a bit of a bad rep um, because it was repetitive, because it... Uh, kind of did the same thing over and over again and wasn't really using the power and potential of consoles and pc um that said the game is really really ideally suited for the nintendo switch that game is this is the police uh and it came out about two or three weeks ago something like that um basically the gist of the game is that you are a police chief uh, actually voiced by the same guy who does Duke Nukem, I believe. Um, although he's in a very, very different role. Um, but he does have quite a powerful voice anyway. Um, <laughs> it, the voice acting is actually fantastic and the writing is brilliant as well. Like, the whole game is is really well put together. Um, but it's so suited for a mobile platform because you play through the game essentially in days. And it's like a strategy game where each new day you have different things that you have to do. And you look down at a city on overview different crimes happen and you uh distribute your team almost like xcom style to the different locations you can choose That's to send cool. backups people get tired each of your individual um uh team members of your of your police force will have different traits so like one might be an alcoholic other one might be like a workaholic or something you have detectives as well that solve cases for you and you you work on those uh, in like a separate tab essentially and you kind of like move different slides around that you acquire over time to kind of pull together what happened in different like murder investigations or theft or whatever else arson um game's really good i've really been enjoying it, it because good. you can play it just in like a five minute sitting play a day and then put it down again and it's so easy uh to to go through and the actual story is very very convincing and creates a lot of interesting challenges as well so it's definitely worth worth having a look at if you uh yeah if you like strategy games overall it's got a lot of depth to it
1: so you said it had like a bad rep or it got a bad rep.
0: Yeah, I was looking at like the, the Steam reviews are actually quite positive, but I was looking at some of the reviews for when it came on like the Xbox and the PlayStation and people were just saying, like, oh, I was so bored of it. I played it for like, I don't know, five hours or something and nothing really happened. And it's like, well, I can kind of see what you're saying because each day is kind of repetitive and then it's kind of interspersed with cutscenes here and there. Um but the gameplay to me is enjoyable like i think there's enough variety in it to last a few hours um but then it adds more challenges with things like a serial uh murderer comes into your town and you end up like picking more and more clues up as you go or there'll be things like protests that you have to subdue and then if it you know if you use too much force then you usually have to like have a committee hearing or something and answer questions like multiple choice questions that's um, pretty cool to me You have to kind of balance your uh your standing with city hall in terms of how much money you're getting paid or what supplies you need in terms of upgrading your your like your SWAT team or or whatever else um versus your relationship with the mafia which essentially runs the town as well and so you have like uh moral choices whether you kind of go by the book or whether you do something a little bit under the radar whether you you know raid a uh, like a drug deal or something and then keep some for yourself or sell it back to the mafia or whatever else you can choose to do a lot of different things with it Um, so I think there's enough variety in there for it to be uh, enjoyable on a handheld basis but I must admit if I was sat down in my living room playing it on the tv I think I'd probably get bored of it if you were going to play it for more than 10 minutes at a time you'd probably find it a little bit repetitive so I see what people are saying but for a handheld great great
1: game i might have to check that out that does sound quite good yeah it's but, worth uh, it. yeah thanks for sharing right guys that is it for episode is it 20 21 i don't know you're the one who has the agenda i'm, I'm just using a it's bit of it's episode 20 i
0: started drawing screen sizes on it because you uh <laughs> you, you said about how the uh the surface book was like three two and i started trying to like work out how big that was by drawing squares <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, George, it never failed to make me laugh. <laughs> so episode 20, that is a wrap. Um, you will find us on iTunes and SoundCloud under the Big Pixel or Big Pixel podcast. Um, if you are on iTunes, then please give us a rating and some feedback. We always love to hear what you guys think. And of course, the ratings always help us, um, you know, spread the good word. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter, Um at Big Pixel Podcast, um, and to save the traditional way of as spelling out our handles, if you head to at Big Pixel Podcast in the little About section on the left, you will find links to both George and I, our personal profiles. So, to save oh, wow. you trying to rapidly write our names down, and I know mine can be a, a huge tongue twister, um, just just head to Big Pixel Podcast. Follow us on there, you know, throw us a like and you know, it, maybe a retweet, and then head to our personal profiles. Um, you know, any questions, any thoughts, comments, feedback, et cetera, on the Big Pixel or anything we've discussed today, then by all means please reach out and and do so, because we'd love to hear from you. Um apart from that, all I guess we can ask is that, you know, if you know anyone who is interested in listening to the Big Pixel, especially now that we're back after our two month hiatus, then please share us with your family, friends, colleagues, etc. And uh I think we'll see you in the next one. Bye, guys. Take okay, care, guys.